0: From FM, this is Connected, episode 407. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Trade Coffee, and Capital One. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure of introducing Federico Vatici, who isn't here. So now I will introduce Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hello. I figured we got to keep the thing, right? So connected... Is it connectedintro.com?
1: Connectedintro.com.
0: It says that I need to introduce Federico, but he's not here, so I figured... I didn't want to mess it up by introducing you immediately because then I feel like it's going to throw everything off.
1: Yeah, you can't break the rotation. No. It's just us. Federico had some stuff going on. He's good. He's okay. We talked to him earlier to,
0: today. To, to be fair to Federico, Stephen basically forced Federico off the episode this week for self-care <laughs> <I did. laughs> reasons, which was good. I think Federico ended up just taking the time. Yeah. But uh, I think without you, basically, like, what is... Like, bullying, but you're being nice to someone. Like yeah, what is that? I, what I would said, you call
1: that? Let me just read what I sent him. So, this is from uh, yesterday. I said, mm-hmm. I've got some stuff in the document. Federico, are you taking the week off? I think you should if you want. Even if you're free to record, you should sleep. But, then he,
0: this all, but it started after last week's episode. I've been building the case for a while. Because he's busy yeah. this
1: week with some other stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, you don't need to worry about us. Like, you go do what you need to do. And again, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. It's all good stuff. But we can handle the show for you. You know? Yep. This is what we do. There's three of us. Good, times. Y'all have done it for That's me. Good. We've done it for you. It's no big deal. Yep. yep. I do miss him, though.
0: Oh, sorry. I mean, I would miss Mom. you if you're gone. Yeah, whatever. You don't say that. Usually when I'm gone, the two of you just make fun of the fact that I'm not there and then move on. You never know, say so you miss me. You know? Maybe I should just leave now. You do it on your own. See you miss me then.
1: You miss me then. <laughs> the next ninety minutes I will be talking about open dock.
0: Everybody buckle in. <laughs> you know, isn't it kind of incredible that we've we've never had to do that? Like one of us? Like
1: No, I that's mean, not it, true. I've I did an episode, episode two it was some big round number, two hundred or two fifty or something. It was me and John and underscore
0: yeah but that's not you on your own is it that's what i'm talking about yeah but no
1: one but no uh, single voice podcasts are bad unless they're like three minutes long at least in the way that we do it right if it's some like mystery thing that you're building up that's different but yep i'm not gonna talk about computers for an hour and a half alone i mean i could you could but it'd be the end of the show
0: (laughs) Uh uh-huh I feel like there's a potential members episode in there somewhere.
1: Maybe. I could just discuss the various versions of beige Apple used over the years. It's just a Stephen lecture, you know? We're going to have one later in the show. Can't wait. The last wait. topic. Yep, can't wait. Let's start with some follow-up, though. Follow-up. The question that has been burning in everyone's mind, uh-huh. is Slate Gray still stuck in your spotlight on your phone?
0: No, but I got a new one. Ooh, what is it? Just the, word, the letters T E S. Test, test. Well, I have gen. I have connected. This is what it says now. Connected starts at seventeen thirty. Well, oh, started. Sorry. And then there's a Zoom link. Says so join connected, and then there's also a turn on do not disturb option, which those are really great. I think they're great. And then I've got a link to general settings, and test. Hmm. I miss. I miss slate gray, to be honest.
1: General settings. It's it's a pretty high rank for a setting. One day it could be like a kernel setting. That's good. See, Colonel works on a couple different levels there because it's like a military thing and a computer thing.
0: Colonel Panic. He's always concerned about something. Colonel Panic.
1: <laughs> Colonel Panic at the disco. So I
0: have been running uh, the notifications count option that Federico mentioned last week when yeah. I was 16. So this is where now it just gives you a little, basically at the bottom uh, of the home screen, like a little number basically of how many notifications you have and you can tap it and it will show you the most recent ones. And it only, it's only counting the most recent ones. And then if you minimize those again, it, that goes away until there's new ones that come in again. I love it. This is a great setting.
1: It, it, it is really good. I feel like my whole lock screen notification situation is kind of bad right now. I think part of it is due to the new design. Like I feel like I lose things. Because they sort of fall off the bottom, if that makes sense. And I don't know. I don't know if I need fewer things to go to the lock screen or maybe I need to try this, what do you mean? this what minimal you, version. like.
0: What are you losing?
1: Because say like, I get a reminder of like, hey, do this at 3 p.m. Yeah. I feel like in the old version where notifications took up more space on the screen, that wouldn't get lost in the other notifications I have coming in. It was like easier to scan what I had. You know missed over the last little bit of time, but mm. now because you really only see two or three and then they stack up and go and like fall off the bottom, I don't know, maybe I just have an internalized need to swipe up and see more of them something about it that like I see fewer of them, and that's not great the way that I've had my phone set up in the past
0: okay, I mean I you know i I don't know what's happening there for you um but I understand what you're saying. But like yeah. I don't
1: get that. So I don't know.
0: I don't know. Do you spend a lot of time like pulling on the notification
1: thing to see what's under there? Or Never. What? I need to internalize that a little yeah, well, more. There you go then. You gotta internalize that. That that's what's going on for you. So there's there's count, stack, and list. Maybe I'll try list for a while. I had it on stack. Yeah. This is one of those things where okay, so in iOS 16, settings, notifications, display as, you have count, stack, and list there was no explanation about what those things do or look like, and there really should be. Like, how would you? How do you know what those are?
0: Yeah, I... Because uh, I tried turning on the count one for a while, and it didn't seem to do anything, but it wasn't until there was a new notification that I realized what count meant, mm. right? So, yeah, I agree. They, but again, this is beta, right? Like, I could imagine they'll put it at the bottom of that screen and show you what it looks like. They've done that kind of stuff in notifications before. Like, maybe it's just not... They just haven't built that part out yet because it is a bit odd.
1: A little bit strange.
0: But I do really like it. I like the I like this feature a lot. I'm a big fan.
1: We just celebrated World Emoji Day. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Jeremy. This is when uh, draft emoji are released. People always ask, are you going to play the Jeremys? Which if you're not familiar, the Jeremys are the game where we show Federico pictures of new emoji and he tries to guess the names to usually hilarious outcomes we will play that game whenever Apple announces their artwork for this. Yep. So the EmojiPedia artwork is draft artwork; it's meant to be an example. And some of Apple's artwork usually ends up looking like EmojiPedia's to a degree. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't; it just depends. But whenever Apple announces theirs, probably this, maybe like in the later this year, early next year, we will play the game.
0: I've lost track because I know it, it's changed. Like of when we will expect it. Like I can't remember anymore uh what i will say dear listener if you're one of the people who's like when do they play that game don't worry because steven didn't know either and now it's in the google doc for our time yeah <laughs> steven net text me and asked me do we do this now i'm like nope because i remember having thought thought this way sometime last year and i checked it mm-hmm. now we just do this when actually Apple it's when Apple releases their imagery as well like so yeah. we have to wait for that part to occur and that can sometimes be before it reaches iOS or maybe it's at the same time or whatever and it's when they release the full set so basically we're always waiting for Emojipedia to publish their article of like here's all the emoji which they always uh, have been first in the past.
1: Yeah, and Federico stays sequestered from all Emoji News. I noticed John linked to this news on Mac Stories. <laughs> just, uh, Federico can't touch it. You know
0: that that could just be like Federico looking in as John, right? There's also a possibility. Yeah, but yeah.
1: I like to think that our friend has full integrity when it comes to this.
0: Yep, he does take these things very, very seriously. So He does. There's some weird ones in this proposal, but you can go and look at those for yourself. Yeah, we can't, we can't really talk about it. Odd even. choices in here, as there always is
1: there's fewer and fewer, you know, things to do as time goes on. So they're going to get stranger. I guess. He's definitely not going to know what some of these are. No. I don't I don't know what some of these are. No. No. If you're wondering why we do this on July 17th, why is World Emoji Day when it is? Uh, I wrote a piece over on 512 last week about the reason is July 17th and the reason the calendar emoji has July 17th. Uh, It's because that was the day in 2002 that Apple introduced iCal and it shipped later that year, but its icon used July 17th as an Easter egg from when it was announced. Just like how on iPhone imagery from Apple, the time is always set to 941. That's about the time in the keynote when Steve Jobs announced it. That's is kind of like a fun Easter egg. And of course, now the, the icon changes with the current date all the time, but some history there so i wrote that up and shared it happy happy world emoji day everybody yeah
0: because obviously the next part is like um the first emoji that apple made for the calendar also included that date on it Mm -hmm. so then when jeremy was looking to celebrate and create world emoji day chose that date yep and since then a lot of third party manufacturers have changed their calendar emoji to include the date on it which i think that kind of stuff is very funny yeah, me too. Because now they've been dragged along because Apple wanted to do it this way.
1: I got some news for you, Mike. Okay. Relay FM merch store is back. Wait, what? Do you remember what? in Titanic and the lady's like, it's been 82 years? That's how I feel about the Relay merch store. Uh huh. But we got shirts, baby. We got four mm-hmm. awesome new shirt designs. These are network shirts. You might be
0: thinking, you, people sell shirts all the time. Shows sell their own shirts. And Relay FM, the, the the global brand, as we are now, I just decided. We now have our own permanent merch store, which you can go to relay.fm slash store, and you will find that we have four shirts that will be uh, on-demand printing. So you can go in whenever you want. There's no rush. There's no, like, three weeks and then they're going to be gone forever. You just go in, you order one you want, and it will be shipped to you by our friends at Com Bureau.
1: It's fantastic. I've been corrected saying that it's 84 years. My apologies to the Titanic. You know who would have corrected you? Federico. Because he friggin' loves that movie. He, he is big into Titanic.
0: I think I heard him say recently he has or is waiting to get the Blu-ray. Wow. And he's, like, super excited about it. I don't even think I've seen that movie. Yeah. I think I saw it once a long time ago. I don't remember it.
1: I saw it in theaters as a kid. I don't think my parents were aware there was nudity in it. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that was appropriate. Like just for a
0: bunch of reasons I'm not yeah. it was appropriate. Like I well, I saw Jurassic Park mm. in theaters. The guy gets eaten off the toilet. It was terrifying. Yeah. I actually spent a lot of the movie facing the other direction. Mm. Because I couldn't handle the dinosaurs. But I could see in the, like, projection, I could see what was going on, so I could oh. see it very small, which was much more manageable for me than seeing it big on the screen. Big Money Hackett. It. It's me. How's your Kickstarter going?
1: It's good. As of this recording, we have 15 days left, so we're halfway who, who's through. This, who's this
0: we? Who's this we? The, uh,
1: the collective 811 people who have backed it so far. Oh, you got
0: to consider it like it's all of your project. We. 812 now
1: the whole world 812 people so far thank you all mm-hmm. uh yeah 15 days to go so we're in the the you know getting ready to be in the back half of the campaign which is exciting i this week shared the artwork for the stickers so our friend jelly who does some other stuff for us uh, if you've seen the stickers we used for the podcastathon last year of like the mike and steven heads he did all that artwork uh, he did the stickers for last year's campaign, and people loved them, so we did four more for uh, the campaign this year. There's a, a, a trash can Mac Pro with a broom next to it, <laughs> as if it's an actual trash can, which is hilarious. Well, and it has a it lid. has a lid. It's so good. Uh, there's a 20th anniversary Mac uh, clamshell iBook, and then a very happy first-generation iPod being snuggled by uh, its own headphones. They're very good. Jelly's very talented. Yes, they're they're so awesome. So yes, if you have been uh, on the fence, you only got uh, two weeks left. So hop on in. The water's fine.
0: Man, Kickstarter mm-hmm. campaigns—they uh, last so long, right? It feels like a lot, like emotionally to handle.
1: It does not feel that way to me. <laughs> Thirty
0: days. It's just like a lot of time to be like just checking the thing. Oof.
1: That's true. It's open on my phone and my Mac just all the time. But yeah. Time's taken away oh, yeah. and I'm at hard at work in the background getting stuff mm-hmm. ready. So very excited. Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage your audience with really cool email campaigns and you can sell anything, products, services, content. Squarespace has you covered for all of it. That online store is perfectly suited for physical and digital products. They have all the tools you need to start selling online, manage the payments, everything is there. And if you uh, are like me, and sometimes when you're looking, looking at SEO stuff, it's confusing or overwhelming. The built-in SEO tools of Squarespace are, it's all integrated, it's all in one place, and they come with useful guides to help you maximize your prominence among search results, which is which is Awesome. And those SEO tools also apply to their email campaigns. You can see exactly how your emails uh, are doing out in the real world. I love building on Squarespace. I've built a lot of stuff there over the years. Last year, we sold a, a magnet for connected listeners. I built a Squarespace site. I used the Squarespace store for that. It was all really simple to set up. I had it done basically in an afternoon and it looked great and it worked perfectly so if you've got a project you're looking to build head on over to squarespace.com slash connected there, you can get a free trial with no credit card required. So when you're ready to launch, you'll you want to use the offer code connected. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace. For sponsoring Connected and supporting all of Relay FM,
0: I'm hopping mad, Stephen. Oh no, I'm hopping mad. My picture-in-picture picture is broken on YouTube.
1: Oh, that's the worst.
0: And I know how this happened, and I'm, it makes me even more hopping mad. So I opted in to the beta feature that they had a number of months ago. Right, you could, if you were a premium subscriber, you could opt into a beta, and you'd get picture-in-picture. Um, And that beta has stopped, but it just seemed like everybody, by and large, it seemed like people that had opted in, they just kept the feature.
1: Yeah, that's how it worked for me.
0: A couple of days ago, there was like a thing popped up in my YouTube. It's like, try out this new beta feature. And it was some nonsense, but I was like, all right, I'll go see what it's about. Just me looking at that took away the picture in picture. They didn't tell me this, but it just stopped working. And doing some searching on Twitter, which is where I always go for these kinds of things. Yes. Uh, it, it basically said that people would like, they, they tried out a new one of these beta features and it removed picture-in-picture. So, the, and this is the weird, the, the second part that annoys me is Google has announced that they are rolling out picture-in-picture for all premium subscribers starting July 11th. Why is it, like, what is, why not just enable it? Like, what's going to happen? It's not like it's extra server load to have it picture-in-picture. Yeah, it changes nothing to them. Just enable the feature. Yeah, it's it's bad. I don't know why. Like so someone's a sovereign in the Discord is saying you can enable it again by disabling the other beta that you're enrolled in. Tried that, it doesn't work. So now I'm just like every day checking my settings to be like, is today the day that they're going to add this setting back to my account? <laughs> and no. The, and I've tried, like, I've tried, sometimes you can force these things a little bit by like deleting the app and reinstalling, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't know why, but I've had this happen with some apps before. Like it seems to like push you forward through the, th- through the process. Uh, but no, that has not worked. And I'm, I'm really annoyed about this because I use it so much. Like I use this feature so, so much. And I find it very frustrating now that when I am watching a video and I want to go like want to have it on in the background, I always still want to be able to very quickly access the video, even if I'll hide it. You know, sometimes I hide it and then something happens in like a podcast that I'm listening to. I consume a lot of podcasts on YouTube. It's just what I do now. I want to be able to tap it, you know, and see what, what has happened that people are laughing about. And I can't because now I have to open up the YouTube app again. It's very (laughs) annoying. And I just don't get it, YouTube. Like, what is is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know why it took them so long to put this feature in the first place. Like, and now I don't understand why they're taking this, as they call it, very slow rollout of this feature to premium subscribers. It's
1: so frustrating. (sighs) Yeah. It was weird that it was in a beta for premium. Like, I... It was. It's annoying. It's a great feature. I
0: understand why they're giving it to premium, because one of their issues is like the ads, right? Because like I, I can imagine it's not as easy to serve ads um, with the picture-in-picture picture thing. So if you just give it to premium people, they don't get ads anyway. So like, fine, it works, right? Yeah. It's just really. It just. I find it very frustrating. It's a bummer. So like, I don't know how long it's going to take before I get access to this feature, and I'm finding it really annoying, and I'm hopping mad
1: about it. You have a MacBook Air.
0: I do have a MacBook Air,
1: and mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about it. I know you've only had it a, a couple of days. Uh, yep, a day and a half. I would love to hear your uh, your thoughts as they are so far. Okay, so I have
0: a midnight Mac M2 MacBook Air that has an eight core CPU, ten core GPU, eight gigabytes of RAM, five hundred twelve gigabytes of SSD storage. Maybe when you hear me describe that, you realize I didn't pick this. <laughs> this is what <laughs> Apple sent me because this is not the configuration that I would choose. Um, I don't know why they chose to send me 8 gigabytes of RAM, uh, but they did. But I got the 512 gigabytes SSD probably so the storage would be fast because uh, yeah. I have that thing with a 256 SSD. Uh, but it seems like they were uh, very forthright When, when talking about that, like there were a bunch of reviews who mentioned it and mentioned it, like haven't been confirmed by Apple that it's the same as the MacBook Pro. You know, for a bunch of reasons, like the two fifty six is not worth it anyway, um, and this is another reason. Like two hundred fifty six gigabytes of storage on a laptop is it's not enough, Um, and I know that it makes the computer a couple of hundred dollars more expensive, but it's worth it. And now, at least with the universal memory system. Uh, even if you have got eight gigabytes of RAM, if you had a bit of storage space left in that five to a gigabytes, you could do swap, right? So mm-hmm. you could benefit from even if you had the lower RAM. So it really is worth getting the the really it's this is a complicated machine to buy if you're going to get a two fifty six.
1: It it is. I think kind of the optimal setup is the base CPU and GPU. 16 gigs of ram and 512 gig ssd like that's kind of the base i think that's makes it a a a livable machine especially Mm -hmm. if you're you know most people buying a machine like this it's gonna be around for a long time and the eight gigs and the 256 it's just not gonna it's not gonna hold up i don't think
0: uh i'm happy they sent me midnight because i wanted to see it um because i was really intrigued by that color and like I, I, can confirm, like it's covered in fingerprints, but I love the color, like, and the, the fingerprints do, just does not bother me. Um, you know, I can't stand fingerprints on a screen. That's the worst. But I don't care about fingerprints hmm. on the outside of the computer. But it doesn't affect me in any way, really.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about the the blue? Like it in some lights. In some circumstances, it feels very blue, and in other times, it doesn't. Like, do you like that sort of difference that it has?
0: I mean, I think the blue looks better than the silver, the gray, and the and the starlight. Mm. Like, I, in in any way, right? If it looks blue, it looks better than them, and if it looks black, it looks better than them. Yeah, right? I think the, it, it, the yes, the color does look different in different light, but so does space gray to me, though. Right? Sometimes it looks silver, and sometimes it looks like dark silver. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, cause I have a I have a space gray MacBook Pro, and very frequently I look at it and I don't know what color I own. <laughs> like, if I've forgotten, like, I look and I'm like, I, what what color is this? Do I have silver or space gray? But yeah, so I've been using this machine in place of my MacBook Pro. So just as a refresher to people, I have a fifth the no, fourteen, fourteen inch MacBook Pro that is my main computer um I put it in my bag, take it to a studio, take it home every day. I use it at home, not so much, but I do use it at home if it's at, if I'm gonna do any work that I'll grab it instead of using my iPad mini, which I use for basically everything else while I'm at home, like reading and video and all that kind of stuff um, and then I use the Macbook pro while i'm at the studio to do everything except. Recording and editing podcasts, so all of my other work, it is the computer that I spend the most time on, easy, uh, throughout my day. I have replaced that with the MacBook Air, and have quickly come to learn that the MacBook Air is a better computer for this Hmm. than the MacBook Pro.
1: Because of the, the thinness and lightness?
0: The thinness and lightness. It is kind of incredible to me how different this machine feels to just move around, like picking up, putting down, all that kind of stuff. It's really kind of incredible. Like I, I, I put it next to my MacBook Pro. The MacBook Air is slightly thinner than the bottom part of my MacBook Pro. So like, if you if you open the MacBook Pro, right, you've got the screen, and then you've got like what the keyboard deck is on, and then like all of the rest of the machine, right the closed MacBook Air is thinner than that part of my MacBook Pro.
1: Ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Quite significant. And whilst it is still not as light as I want it to be, like I I want like 12-inch MacBook kind of lightness, right? Right. Um, This machine is incredibly light. It, It feels, I mean, many people have said this, but it does feel more like an iPad than a Mac in its kind of thinness and lightness and its kind of movability. I am very taken by this computer. Uh, I've had it plugged into my um, studio display for the last couple of days, and I just did a migration from my MacBook Pro. Um, and I mean, migration assistant's great. I still find these weird little things, like Backblaze gets really upset. It does, um, yeah, because it. it and I understand because, like, it thinks it's the same computer, and like, and I think it does a good
1: job where it, like, it freezes the backup, and it walks you through how to fix it which is yep, pretty, and it's and not very a, easy to fix yeah not a big deal i prefer
0: they do that than it go wrong right and oh, then yeah. like i had a weird thing where like i had to change a bunch of sentence in alfred uh to get it to search stuff properly again because it was thinking it was the other computer it's kind of weird um but by and large migration assistant is awesome like it's great it works so good and it's so fast now with thunderbolt oh yeah so fast
1: and and ssds on both ends like it it rips
0: yeah it's i think i was transferring i think it said like 1700 megabytes per second it's pretty good point and so it moved everything real quick especially because i don't i just uncheck dropbox to move everything over because my dropbox is online right primarily Mm -hmm. i mean plus also this has significantly less storage space than my mac pro like i would not have been able to fit Right. Everything I had downloaded from Dropbox yeah. onto this yeah. computer. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say. Other than that, it's the computer you would expect it to be, right? Like, trackpad's great, keyboard's great. Um, the, the screen is perfectly fine. The biggest thing that I notice is the brightness. Like, it is not as bright as my MacBook Pro. ProMotion stuff, I don't feel like I notice very much on laptops. I notice it on my phone the most. Uh, but yeah, I've been using it on my studio display with all of the apps open that I would usually have, which is lots of apps for me. I, mean, I always have lots of apps open, and it's been working great. It's, it, this has been doing a better job than my M1 MacBook Pro did, because I used to have problems with that all the time, where it would hit RAM limits and stuff. Um, and I had 16 gigabytes of RAM on that machine, so yeah. I think maybe Apple's done some work at optimizing macOS. OS. <laughs>
1: maybe i had that happen for the first time ever the other day and it was because calendar was taking like a terabyte of memory <laughs> I like, yep i got 64 gigs of the stuff what are you doing but i also
0: mean I just as i i have that i have 16 gigabytes of memory on my m1 iMac and i never have that problem here it seemed to be just on that macbook pro i had, a, I had some kind of memory leak issue i think
1: the the thing about the the thinness in particular um you know, there was that that article we talked about it last week, where Apple says they designed the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air at the same time. They obviously look that way, right? Like it's the same kind of design language. And I was actually I'm actually surprised at how well that design language translated to to a much thinner machine. I think it I think it looks great. What I like about the current lineup. Discounting the M2 13 inch MacBook Pro because th- that machine is just an oddball. But if you look at the pros, the real MacBook Pros, and this new Air, like Apple seems content again to let the consumer machine be consumery and let the pro machine be what pros want and need. And in the let's call it the USB C touch bar era, you know, from 2015, 2016 up till now really, the 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 differences between the air and the pro weren't that important, right? Okay, you had more ports, you had the touch bar, and they were faster, right? They were more powerful. But now you have the pro with ports and features that aren't on the consumer machine. And Apple seems fine with that with the differences. And I think that's good because it actually gives people it gives people better options, right? When you're looking, when we talked about this a ton, during this time period. But, you know, if you were looking to buy a consumery notebook four years ago, it was like, well, you have the MacBook and you had the MacBook Air, which is old. And then you have the 13-inch MacBook Pro with no touch bar, you know, dubbed the Escape. Like It was a confusing mess. And the the lines between what this machine is and what this other machine isn't weren't always clear. I like now that they are clear. And I think the thinness is part of it, right? It's, yeah, you're trading performance and you're trading some ports, but this machine is cheaper and it's thinner and lighter. And if those are the things you care about and you don't care about the other stuff so much, it's a, the air is a clearer win than it was before. And I find that to be pretty refreshing when like thinking about this product line and talking about it with people, even giving advice to people trying to buy something. I feel like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty clear. There's sort of these two paths you can take. You either get the, the really good consumer machine and there's some awesome pro machines if, that, if that's what you need. I think all that's much better than the situation we were in a few years ago.
0: I mean, I think it's it's becoming clearer, right? The, obviously, the price part isn't yet, um, but we've seen this before where new products enter the lineup they're state of the art and they're more expensive, um, and it takes some time for that to change. Like, I think the real clear one for a lot of us is the first Retina MacBook Pro. Yeah. Which was really expensive Mm -hmm. compared to the others, and it was a big gap between that, and that lasted for a while, but it ended up eventually getting weeded out. And, like, we're going to get there, you know? It's like similarly, like, you can't get any other size of... um, non new macbook pro is only one of them right the 13 and that's going to go away eventually and eventually the macbook air is going to go away and we'll end up with just this design mm-hmm. but it will take a few years or whatever for whatever reasons that might be but like i this is an expensive computer
1: yeah it's not it's not a th- it's not a $1000 laptop it's a for a decent one a 14 or $1600 laptop
0: yeah, i did have like a thought cuz i was like I was looking at if I price one of these out, was it what it cost me for what I want? And it's like 2,100 pounds. Yep. (laughs) And I'm like, man, things were cheaper when I was buying iOS devices. (laughs) Right? But I did have the thought today, though, of in the long run, I think I'll win because I was spending like a 1,000 pounds a year on a new iPad. Yeah. But... I won't update these Macs for years would be my expectation because we would, you know, I would feel the need to have the newest iPad because it would have significant new features every year, right?
1: At least hardware features. Yes, up until a certain point,
0: (laughs) right? Which is why, like, I didn't update some of my iPad Like, one of my iPad Pros, I was still running the 2018 version, like the 11-inch, which I was using frequently, but Mm -hmm. I just hadn't updated it because there wasn't a particular need to. And I figure in the Mac line, all the new stuff is happening right now, and then it's going to be years before there's something that would make me want to upgrade, is my expectation uh, of these machines. Because, like, new chips, isn't it? Like, when they update the MacBook Pro, if they update the MacBook Pro this year with an M2 Pro... I don't need that. No, like I don't need it because my M1 Pro is so incredibly powerful. So like I think you know, in the long run, uh, that I would end up probably making it back again. Um, in that sense, or like it would like amortize over many years.
1: Sure, that's a good business term. <laughs> that's good.
0: So like I've been I've been in a bit of like uh, uh, unsure about my computer situation at the studio for since I got the studio because things just kept changing right. around me from like covid to computers that i was using to what travel meant and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff
1: you didn't expect apple to drop a yellow iMac and it blew up everything
0: yeah yeah uh but really like that the yellow iMac i bought the yellow iMac as like a trophy of a personal goal which was to actually get like, yeah. some apple hardware on an like before the before available to the general public
1: so let me ask you this so if you bought that iMac partially for that, is that a machine that you keep forever? Is like a collection item? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. I was going to say, if, if you so, don't, you need to ship it to me, and I'll, I'll I'll keep it here for you.
0: That could also be an option. If I don't want to keep it yeah. around, it then could, maybe it could you be, could take it.
1: could be on loan from Mike Hurley. I'll, could, I'll send it with a little plaque that you yes. can put next to it.
0: But my expectation is I'll keep this. So, so here's what I'm thinking right now. Is the iMac will go home and become a home computer Mm -hmm. with like multiple people having an account on it and stuff like like these machines are supposed to but in a way that i have never had a computer before
1: yeah i mean you could set it up where like unity can both log into it yeah you know you could have photos downloaded to it you could have as backups Mm -hmm. like A home computer. It's a good thing.
0: Like an actual home computer that never turns off, right? Like it just goes to sleep or whatever. And Yeah, Yeah, you could put it
1: in a desk called the computer desk. Did you have those growing up? We had one. Oh, yeah. The computer desk, and it had like a place for the tower. I had a computer desk
0: with a bed on the top. What? You know? So it was like a bunk bed.
1: Okay. But the bottom bunk was a computer desk. I was very confused for a second. I was like, why is there a bed on
0: the desk? And you heat the bed with the computer. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And... So what I'm thinking is this goes home yeah. where it was always eventually going to go. Mm-hmm. My MacBook Pro comes to this desk and it is effectively at that point a desktop computer. Sure. And then the MacBook Air takes the this is my computer mantle.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I
0: become two, two laptops will be my computers. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. The
1: multi MacBook lifestyle.
0: Because then I then have the flexibility, depending on the type of trip that I take, as to which laptop I take, right? If I'm going to be recording a bunch of shows while traveling, then I could take the MacBook Pro, and then I have the most power with me at all times, crank through things quickly. Yeah. If I'm not going to be doing that, I could take the MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. But then also, the MacBook Air moves back and forwards with me all the time. So, I'm not settled on this. Um, I put an order in for an, a MacBook Air okay. while I decide, because i wouldn't get it for like six or seven weeks right so but i'm thinking about it i only have this macbook air from apple for like two more weeks or something it was a a pretty short loan because they're in high demand so i'm working it out but i think (laughs) you're gonna sell it it's like crystallizing (laughs) yeah they're gonna gonna flip it we're we
1: we have not got we haven't got the space for these things
0: you know people
1: need them that's right i think your plan makes a lot of sense and i think that the The MacBook Pro being sort of the desktop, like where work gets done. I think that'd be pretty sweet.
0: The only thing that bothers me is I don't have a computer to sell to make some of the money back. So every time I update a Mac in my lineup, I have something to sell and it pays at least 50% of the price.
1: Yeah, that's a bummer. With
0: this MacBook Air, I have nothing, I have no computers to sell to help fund it, which is bugging me because it's a lot of money.
1: The one we ordered gets here, it was supposed To be here Friday, but now it's scheduled for Tuesday, I think. So it'll be oh, okay, be next week. And uh, it's a silver one basically loaded, except for the high end GPU. That'll be Mary's machine. Are you going to spend any time with it first, or are you just going to set it up? Okay, no, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks with it. Um, I'm running Ventura on my MacBook Pro. I don't think I'm going to migrate, I think I'm just going to set up like some basic stuff on it and use it around the house. And I'll, I'll plan a writing review for 512 and then I will. Do the uh, migration dance uh, f- around from her M1 MacBook Air to this one and set it up for her. And honestly, I think I'm gonna because she uses it in one of those. I think Twelve South makes it. The book arc is that what it's called? It's like a curvy piece of aluminum and it sits closed. Yeah,
0: I just okay. bought one today because they've they I, I was wanting to get one for a while and they have now updated like made a new insert. Oh,
1: good, good.
0: For right for the new size of MacBook Pro, so I actually just bought a Book Arc today, the twelve South thing.
1: Oh yeah, there you go, looking on their on their site right now. So I think this new MacBook Air will probably just fit in it. If it doesn't, I mean, it's I think it'll be okay. And I'm I'm. Not, they also
0: said on their website that they are they are going to make a new insert for that one.
1: Though. Okay, I'll keep an eye out for that then. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it using USB because she has a. Ultrafine 4K, the small one, right now. Her MacBook Air charges from it. I'm gonna leave all that the same and just leave, put the MagSafe just like in her desk drawer. So if she needs to use it elsewhere, she can just take MagSafe with her. But I'm just gonna basically just gonna drop it right in. And I think, <laughs> I think if I did it without telling her, I'm not, I'm not sure she'd even notice the difference for a while because that laptop stays docked 95% of the time. I mean, she could use it. In fact, when the M1 iMacs came out i asked her i was like you know these look really cool uh is this something that you want to switch to because like you we you have a macbook air but it just never uses a laptop but she does occasionally like the flexibility of it so i don't want to take that away from her and that m1 has just been back there behind that display for a long time chugging along
0: yeah i just i haven't i didn't even unwrap the um the charger and the magsafe cable that that, that was in the box it's like Oh this yeah! It's just gonna be a pain to wrap this back up again. So like I just like like I don't charge my MagSafe. I, I have a MagSafe and it's great, but because I'm using these computers mostly at fixed positions, right? Like I just plug in the cable that goes to my studio display, which charges and I it. I never charge my laptop <laughs> otherwise, and if I ever need to, I already have USB C cables all over the place. You know, so like yeah. if I was using it more as like a laptop, I would like have that at a desk. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a good thing to do anyway. Like if you're using a laptop on a desk every day, you should have a monitor or you should have the laptop raised and use an external keyboard and mouse. Ergonomically, that is better for you. Um, but I'm happy that MagSafe is there. Like I keep it in my, uh, my travel charging thing because I love it when I'm away. Because I could just—that's when I would use it as just like a laptop on the desk, right, yeah. for like a couple of days or whatever. And MagSafe's awesome for that. But otherwise, I USB-C is great. I mean, maybe I would use the USB. Sorry, maybe I would use the MagSafe more with the MacBook Air because then I only have one USB-C port available to me, and it's, it's not really something I think about with the MacBook Pro where I have a bunch of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that may be nice. I mean, I do basically the same thing. My safe is in my backpack and I have a, I forget, it's a pretty big one, pretty big USB-C charger on my desk plugged in and like the MacBook Pro is plugged in or sometimes I charge my iPad on it. It's so whatever needs to be charged. And around the house, we have quite a few, like behind the couch, I have a long lightning and a long USB-C cable and mm-hmm. I can, you know, if I'm on the couch working, I can plug my lap, my. MacBook Pro into that. I'm glad they kept USB-C charging in addition to MagSafe. It's like really is like the best of all worlds because you can charge with either one. And if you're on the Pro, you can charge from either side, which is nice in some situations to be able to charge from the right hand side. And you do lose that with the Air because MagSafe and both ports are on the left hand side. So if you're, mm-hmm. you know, when you're setting up a MacBook Air, you you have maybe uh, fewer options exactly with placement and that sort of thing. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Michael. Stephen. You have had the Trade Coffee experience. Tell mm-hmm. us about it. I'm a big fan.
0: I took the quiz. The quiz is really easy. They just ask you a few questions, get your preferences. Uh, and they're really simple questions too. Like, So if you don't know what your preferences of coffee flavors are it doesn't matter because they'll ask you hey do you like this kind of food do you like this kind of food mm-hmm. and they'll help you narrow something down and they send you out some coffee and then it learns from you from there and they keep sending you great coffees one of the other things i love about trade uh steve is going to tell you in a minute but they they taste test a bunch of coffees and they keep a bunch of them in stock so you can just go to their website if it's something that you had that you like before and you can buy extra bags of it and i've been doing that recently
1: yeah, one of my favorite things about them is that they are working with roasters from around the country. They have 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. And you get to explore what all these independent craft roasters are doing. It helps out their small businesses. I really think the whole setup is super cool. And Trade is really confident that they're going to match you with the right coffee the first time. If they don't, You just give them your feedback and a coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. You know, you're going to be looked after, which is really cool. Like you said, it's just a couple of questions to get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. They've delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee, earning more than 750,000 positive reviews. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off their first order Plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com/slash-connected. That's more than forty cups of coffee for free. So go start, take the quiz, let Trade find you a coffee you're going to love. That URL one more time is drinktrade.com/slash-connected for thirty dollars off. Our thanks to Trade for the support of the show and Relay FM. So a couple of days ago,
0: uh, Apple Arcade, the Apple Arcade page in the App Store. Gained a new category, a sad category. Yeah. Called <laughs> leaving arcade soon. It's sad. Is the name of this category is pretty is pretty sad. There's a total of fifteen games in this leaving arcade soon category. I looked through these. I have either not played or not heard of any of these games. Me neither. <laughs> I'm not saying that I am the harbinger of what's good on Apple Arcade. I don't check Apple Arcade frequently. Um, still, for me, of Apple Arcade, it's like if somebody, if I see people talking about a game online, that's on Apple Arcade, is kind of how I find out about stuff. Yeah. But for me, that has always been the way I find out about new iOS games. Anyway, mm-hmm. what has kind of come to light from from reporting from uh, Mac Rumors and others? Um, there's a Twitter account that I follow called. I think it's like Killer Arcade or something like that. There's like a, I'm gonna find this. It's like a really good. Uh, there's a lot of these accounts that like are really good in the game space. Killer Cow is the is the is this Twitter account, and they have always done a really good job of Apple Arcade reporting right back from the beginning um, of Apple Arcade. That they keep track of everything. They have an air table, uh, which you can mm. which you can go check out. if you Fancy. Like. Um, and they did some reporting as well, which corroborated what MacRumors had reported, that this is the end of the original three-year deal that a bunch of developers got when Apple Arcade launched. Or, like, they were given this deal at launch, but maybe their game came later, but that this is the end of that three-year original deal. Um, and so it would appear that these 15 are the 15 games from that original set of deals that Apple have decided they no longer want to renew with. So my expectation here is that these are the games that have not seen a lot of interaction or playtime or buzz about them from that original set. Now, from a developer perspective, I actually think this is pretty good because all of these developers retain the rights to these games, even in the instances, it seems, where they were made for Apple, like like Apple commissioned them into existence, which is the case of some of these games, not all of them like just in general with Apple Arcade. Sometimes a game is being developed and Apple buys it, basically, like quote-unquote buys it. Or in other cases, like Apple, like people came to Apple with an idea and Apple gave them a bunch of money as a producer Mm -hmm. to go and make that game. Right. But it seems like these developers are all retaining the right set of games. Um, So in that instance, a couple of things can happen. They can be relaunched on the App Store or elsewhere. Like, a lot of Apple Arcade games pop up on other places. They can't pop up in other mobile subscriptions or on Android in general, but they can pop up on, say, like, Nintendo Switch or something, and that happens quite a bit. But now people could go ahead and do it. Hey, you could maybe get Netflix to give you money. Netflix does this now. They, like, with if you have a Netflix subscription, there's, like, a bunch of games that you can get that are, like, standalone games on iOS. They just did a, a – what was the name of the game that they just – there's a game – there's a strategy game, Into the Breach which is a really great game that's been on um, PC, I think, and now it's on iOS via the Netflix thing. It's a fantastic strategy game, uh, Into the Breach. Really, really good. I don't know why Netflix is doing it. I know why Netflix is doing this, but I don't know what they think it's going to get for them. We'll see. Uh, but like, you get it for free if you're a Netflix subscriber, so you just log in and you get access to this game. They're doing the thing that Microsoft wouldn't do, which I we know like Apple wanted Microsoft to put all of their individual game titles, like all of their titles as individual games rather than just having <laughs> right. a, an Xbox uh, Game Pass app. But Netflix is, for some reason, doing wanted to do it this way. These are all individual games and then you sign in with them because they're not cloud streaming like Microsoft would have wanted to. So I guess it maybe works a bit better for them this way. So it's good for the developers, but what's bad for is bad for consumers. If you play these Apple Arcade games, you will no longer have access to these games, and it appears that unless the developer does something, you won't get access to any saved content or trans or like game progress. Progress. It's all gonna lose. You're gonna lose it if they relaunch on iOS unless the developer does something. You can't. It is possible. I've seen this done before. You install the new app and it takes the information from the old app. But that's got to happen before these games leave Apple Arcade. So I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe we'll see over the next number of weeks mm-hmm. uh, if any developers can, can do it quickly. But they've got to do it before. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what happens. Like, do these games just delete from your phone? Like, what happens?
1: <laughs> it's, you know, there's a little bit of a disincentive for developers to even do that because apple arcade there's no in-app purchase Mm -hmm. and if you relaunch this as something with in-app purchase like how do you map that over right it's there's a lot of weird edge cases there and these i mean this is really a good reminder that apple arcade apps and games like i mean they are real apps like they're really on your phone you're really playing them but in a way they're kind of like streamed content like these will just go away my guess is that they the icon will be like grayed out in your phone. And you tap it, and it'll say, you know, this is no longer available in Apple Arcade or something. I don't think they're going to just yank them off the phone and leave people wondering what happened. But either way, it's not not great, right? Yeah, it's a it's a bummer to see it. I mean, at the end of the day, it is business, and if these weren't working for Apple for whatever reason, I just I just don't know. Like, why would Apple want to get rid of anything from Apple Arcade? Like, even if something wasn't performing well. I mean, I guess are they paying developers to keep their games Apple Arcade only? Like, oh yeah. So yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. so. So it's it's the the, the bottom my line.
0: expectation is all of the other developers just got a renewal on their contract. And these people didn't. <laughs> and like they got paid more money. Yeah, and these people these were the ones that didn't. So like, of the games where they were that original three year, uh, they probably just renegotiated with them and gave them more money. These are the games that Apple doesn't want to give more money to because these were probably the ones that didn't get any, um, that didn't get past the the actual amount of, of engagement that Apple were looking for. Like, do you remember that thing, that report, where they were looking to try and find games that were more engaging? Um, and people thought that that was going to be bad, but it seems like the quality is still maintained, but they've just broadened the amount of types of games that they'll have. Mm-hmm. But these are the ones that maybe didn't pass that. Uh, I mean, this is a shame, but it's business. Yeah. All of these developers, I would say, probably got a pretty good deal out of this. If you are one of these developers and you didn't, and you want to let me know, get in contact with me and you could tell me. But my expectation is a bunch of people got to make their game because of this. Uh, and the fact that Apple isn't retaining any rights, it seems, that just seems like a win. And you got to make your game. And that I'm sure that helped. I mean, maybe it's tricky for you if you were hoping to get that renewal, right? Like money-wise. Yeah. Um, but that's game development. Like that's what it's like. This is, this is what happens. The thing is, like maybe you made it's impossible to know. This stuff comes up a lot with Xbox Game Pass and the PlayStation 3 games that they do and stuff. But like you probably you may have made more money this way doing it with Apple than if you put it out there on your own, um, because Apple also would have done some marketing for you and you're in that tab for a while, especially when there weren't a lot of games there. How well would you have done without that? Like, if you were just going out there into the big, bad world of trying to get people to know about your game? Like, it's likely that you probably got some money. Um, as Vidit says in the chat, and it is a good point, uh, there, it is possible maybe developers didn't want to renew the contract as well. Like, it's probably a, a, a bit of both. Um, it may be in some cases. Like, I don't know. Uh, I expect it's some one, some of the other. Uh I would be surprised. I mean, I don't know. The cuz the thing is like clearly Apple are offering enough money to some of these bigger companies who are keeping their games. Like there are still some big companies that are keeping their games, but they probably got the most money anyway cuz they were bringing customers that are owning. But anyway, this is going to happen. This is the first time this has happened, but this is just going to keep happening. This is what it's like and this is what this stuff is going to be like. Games rolling and out of game pass, games rolling in and out of the PlayStation free game stuff. Uh, the Epic Game Store does this. Games roll in and out. That's what these things are all about.
1: Let's talk about the butterfly keyboard. Remember that? So, yeah, I saw a lot of
0: headlines to this today. Uh, and I'm going to include an article to the BBC, which is not a place we would usually link to, but they had a pretty nice summary of it. Um, so Apple's MacBook Pro and MacBook and MacBook Air keyboards with the butterfly. Butf- I don't need to tell our listeners about the butterfly keyboard. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I will include a link in the show notes to a very weird episode of Upgrade where we did a dramatic retelling of the whole story. (laughs) There was a class action lawsuit brought against Apple from uh, some individuals in a bunch of states across the US. Apple has paid $50 million to settle this. Uh, They are claiming no wrongdoing, which is a funny thing to me. Like, $50 million is a lot of money, but hey, we didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Because basically the claim is saying that Apple knew this was happening and kept selling products. Which, I mean, is definitely true. Like, they tried to improve it, but, like, they knew this was. A pro- anyway, uh, the settlement, if it's approved and goal goes through, it's being reviewed, could see customers receiving up to $395 if they had to replace multiple keyboards, $125 if they replace one keyboard, or $50 if they had to replace key caps on a keyboard. So, I guess this is probably just US only as well, but there you
1: go probably i think i saw something it's not even in every state in the u.s but it's probably of the eight states that levied the. i don't think tennessee is one of them but you know i'd be in for 125 bucks i had a keyboard replaced on my 2016 macbook pro the e key fell off just <laughs> completely broken mm. and um, and i think mary had a 12 inch macbook for a while i think it had two keyboards over the course of its life so i'd you know mm uh it's a bummer i mean this is a, a closed chapter now thankfully but it was a, a problem for so long and I'm, I'm so glad we don't talk about the stupid keyboards anymore yeah i thought about them so much for such a long time you sure did there are uh seemingly no new betas this week at least as uh we record this but mac os monterey 12.5 ios and ipad os 15.6 And watch OS eight point something are all out. Um macOS Monterey includes mostly Safari and TV app fixes. That's the same as iOS. Same as iOS. Uh, iOS also includes some issues with um settings and like device storage. So like that screen and settings has always been kind of janky. Like super slow to load and there was apparently some issues there uh that it would once it showed your device storage was full once you got rid of stuff it would still show it as full so they've got that worked out hmm. my expectation is these are the last kind of major versions of these os's i mean we're i thought that 15.6 would include that lockdown mode i thought that was coming in 16 no they
0: also said it was coming to 15
1: Oh, were they yeah so then maybe there'll mm-hmm. be a 15.7 there may be we will see, but at the either way, we're definitely... Or it's
0: in there, and they just didn't put it in the uh, in the release notes. <laughs> it's that
1: secretive. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, Apple does this anyway. Um, oh, no, it says it's coming with iOS 16. I looked at it now on the thing. You were right. I thought it was also coming to 15, but uh, hashtag Stephen was right. Thank you.
1: Thank you for that. Either way, we're definitely towards the end of these OSs. I mean, we're now what probably two months from ios 16 yeah jeez, you know mac os may be a little bit longer than that so uh so yeah we're reaching the end of this uh we expected beta 4 today probably because these rolled out beta 4 maybe maybe later today maybe tomorrow they may wait a week but generally t- tomorrow t- t- tomorrow think tomorrow
0: it could be i mean i know they've done that before uh, to my memory they've done that before like they go off day
1: yeah, yeah. a little bit i don't think they want to wait a whole week at
0: this point so if they don't if they have it to re- if they have one to put out there but
1: but generally they don't like doing public and beta releases the same day i think they've done this in the past where on a day that we would expect a beta there's been a public release so anyways those are out um you know go do your software update thing the And, uh, you know, we'll be saying goodbye to Iowa 15 in Monterey soon enough, I guess. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Filling up payment fields giving you a headache? Has your mobile banking app been down when you really needed to use it? Well, Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking. This means easier access to your money and more security while doing so. That's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud with random forest, with models that quickly detect suspicious activity and make it faster to alert federal investigators and identify how mobile out- app outages happen with causal models. Keeping mobile apps up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why app outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. And Capital One is speeding up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, which helps make using virtual card numbers easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is massive. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One or check out the link in the show notes. Capital One, what's in your wallet? I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit, Mike. Okay. I want to talk about the Apple TV. I know this is your... It's my baby. It's your baby. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about some about the hardware and the software and kind of see what we think kind of the present and future of the Apple TV could be. So All right. currently there are two models for sale. There's the Apple TV HD. It's $149 for 32 gigabytes of storage. This is the one that was originally announced in September 2015. It was the first one. Like the future TV is Apps. It's powered by an A8. It does come with the new Siri Siri Remote, which is good. Now, thank, thank heavens. Yeah. It it didn't initially. They've, I think they've, they've changed that at some point. There's also the Apple TV 4K, which is $179 for 32 gigabytes of storage and $199 for 64 gigabytes of storage. There have actually been two generations of this. The first one was in September of 17 with an A10 fusion, but it was updated a little over a year ago with the L12 A12 Bionic HDMI 2.1, the new color balance feature, high frame rate, HDR, and some other stuff. They're really expensive, what they are. <laughs> we will get to that. But uh, looking forward, there are some rumors about what future hardware could entail. looking at an A14, with four gigabytes of RAM up from the three that's currently in the Apple TV 4k. And then another new Siri remote is rumored. My hope and kind of assumption is that this would support find my like there'd be a U1 chip in it. And you could find it in your couch cushions. I can't imagine them making massive changes to it so soon. And I I think the remote's pretty good. So hopefully it would just be find my support. I want to talk about the hardware first. Like there's been a lot of discussions including on our show about should the Apple TV be more should it be a soundbar that has this in it should it be some sort of home pod type thing like do you or should they go the other way should it be a little dongle you plug in the back of your TV like a Chromecast or some of the Amazon products. What do you think about that? Like do you do you see their sort of current form factor and cost being the right way to go still or ever <laughs> was it ever the right way to go <laughs> form factor no
0: cost yes uh i don't think apple should make a stick because they should just continue doing what they're doing which is integrating the tv app into everywhere that will take it hmm right if you want an apple the apple tv experience you can just get a fire tv stick or you can get a Roku or whatever, and you'll get everything you need because all of the TV apps that you would use, say like your Netflix or whatever, it's the same on every platform basically. Yeah. And this way you get access to all of the content that you buy from Apple, from iTunes or whatever in the TV app. Plus you get the ability to watch all of their streaming uh, shows in the TV app and you can get that on basically any smart TV now and on everything else. So I don't think it makes any sense for them to make a, a smaller stick, personally. I this is not Apple's world to make cheap hardware. Yeah. Because they never make it cheap enough.
1: Mm-hmm. So it will only <laughs>
0: annoy people more when they make a stick and it costs ninety nine dollars, right? Like that I don't think it's worth them going in that direction. Um I think that there is something to be said for them to continue to have something like the current 4K, like the Apple TV 4K of like, it's a box and that box has storage in it and you can put games on it if you want to that come from Apple Arcade, right? Like then that's the next step. And then they should have a bigger step, which is integrating a HomePod and an Apple TV into one experience. Yeah. With a center stage camera on the thing and you do FaceTime calls. And so like, I mean, genuinely, like this is something me and Jason have spoken about a lot on Upgrade. It's like this idea of a HomePod and an Apple TV, and you put them together, and you make like a soundbar that has everything inside of it. You could put a center stage camera on it, and you could do FaceTime calls with family on the TV, and like they should just go in that direction. That'd be sweet. That's what I, w- that's what I want them to do, because uh, I am a massive fan of both the Apple TV and home pods connected to them i have a home pod stereo pair like an og home pod stereo pair with my apple tv and it's how i watch all of my television is on my apple tv i do not watch television in any other way uh i love it i wished everything would integrate with a tv app because that's how i prefer to consume it that's why we were talking about netflix in the pro show
1: i think maybe
0: we were complaining about the Netflix app today in the Pro Show. This has been a very media-focused uh, overall connected experience today. If you want to hear more about that, go to getconnectedpro.co. You'll also help me pay for a MacBook Air if you do that. <laughs> so please sign up, become a member. Uh, and I wish that everything was there. including like Netflix really is the only um, major service that I use that doesn't support the TV app. And I would like that, but I, I really love it. And I love the sound of the home pods. I love how easy it all connects together. I would like them to go the next part and make a soundbar. And then you could also add home pods to that experience. And then you could have a full surround sound experience. I think it would be pretty, pretty great.
1: Yeah. It would be really cool to have just one thing that was like all entertainment, covered the soundbar angle and brought some more computing into the living room with things like FaceTime. Um, I agree with you. I think the stick idea is the wrong way to go for Apple. I felt less strongly about this before the Apple TV app and AirPlay and HomeKit came to a bunch of TVs directly. Like my LG TV has all that stuff just built into it. Like I can AirPlay directly to the TV, I can control it with HomeKit directly. Since they've broken out some of that stuff and and put it on TVs directly. I feel like that kind of lets the Apple TV be more of what it is without so much pressure to bring it downstream. I mean, I still I I, I would like it to be closer to the sort of $99 price point as opposed to 179 for the 4K, but uh, that is what it is, I guess. I do think that there is some element to the Apple TV hardware that still kind of hangs on to the idea of this is gonna be an app and game platform, like the storage tiers. No one really needs the sixty-four gigabytes, I don't think. I mean, I don't even know how much space I'm using on my thirty two, probably hardly any. And I just I wonder if some of those decisions that the Apple T V kind of operates within now are from the future of the T V as apps kind of mindset still, and they haven't been able to to move past that.
0: Since Apple Arcade, now they can't move past it.
1: Yeah. I guess, I guess not.
0: That's the problem. Like like clearly the, the the overall developer community decided they weren't gonna make apps. It's like it's just streaming services that make apps, really. hmm Um and then you get some ancillary stuff, but it's not popular. But now then there's games and the only real games that receive any attention on um the Apple T V are Apple Arcade games because yeah. Apple Pay developers to do the whole experience they they want Mm -hmm. the app on the iphone the ipad the apple tv and the mac and it's one of the ways that games find its way to the mac and to the apple tv is being part of apple arcade but because they do that they kind of can't give up the storage stuff unless they want to make apple arcade a quote-unquote less desirable
1: thing the flip side of all of this is the software and over its lifetime starting in 2007 Apple's had a lot of different ideas. So in 2007, sort of the original Apple TV, which was actually basically kind of like a small Intel Mac, it basically worked like an iPod. You would sync media from iTunes across your network. It had an internal hard drive to store all of that on it. Um, The UI was very similar to Front Row. Do you remember Front Row? That was awesome. Again, it, it was like a weirdo Intel Mac that ran a weird version of Mac OS X. And that was the first Apple TV and it was out for three years and it wasn't ever a huge seller. Like I think people who were into them were really into them, but it was because it was basically an extension of iTunes. Like you had to really be in that ecosystem. And in 2010, they sort of made the shift to the much smaller, like black box that we know now, no real internal storage. And this kind of version of the Apple TV was you're basically going to stream everything. So we're not syncing stuff across the network anymore. It was like a hard turn the other direction. You go to stream content from the iTunes store. You can rent content from the iTunes store. You can stream from computers in your local network. So if you had a, you know, an iMac in your office, and it had your media library. You could stream it across your local area network to the TV.
0: I think this was the first one I had.
1: It was, it was probably most people's first one. Because <laughs> I think yeah. it was also $99, I think is when they got the big price cut. What did it look like? It was like the current Apple TV, but shorter. Yeah, I had this one. Small, little black box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It ditched all the the component and composite stuff that was on the first one just for HDMI. And it ran like a weirded embedded version of iOS. It wasn't really an OS in and of itself. Kind of a strange thing. And it came with
0: the remote that had like a click wheel and a menu button and a play pause button. That was the remote
1: before the bad remote. Before the bad remote. And it had eventually, so there was this one. And then in 2012, there was a 1080 version. So the 2010 was 720p. Uh, with an updated UI and in this time frame you start to see some apps like Netflix and a couple of others there was a YouTube app but not really at all the way that we saw them in 2015 which is kind of the beginning of the current era of tvOS tvOS got its own name The future of TV as apps was the sentence, you know, it was streaming games plus a bunch of regular apps, which that category just didn't ever do anything. Like, we're talking shopping, shopping, and home buying. These were the, these were two of the things they
0: thought people were going to do. Just
1: blast through Zillow on your Apple TV. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because for some reason, you wouldn't just do that on your iPhone. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. This was, this was,
0: you know, this was the one of two times that Apple have tried to make the iPhone again. They did it here, and they did it with the Apple watch of like the Apple watch can do everything rather than and and they learned with the Apple watch faster, I think, of like we're going to focus on what this thing is best at, yeah, right. agreed, like yeah, you know, which is like it's going to do the things and we're going to focus and we're going to continue to build the device around that. And they just never did that with the Apple TV. And I mean, I feel like I know why, right? They, I bet they sell way more Apple watches than they do Apple TVs and they just learn faster and focused and double down on what makes that product a good one.
1: Yeah, I think so. And even in the time since 2015, we've, we, I think we've seen even more of that sort of coming into focus of what this is. They've sort of dropped the regular app thing Apple Arcade is, a, is a, obviously a component that wasn't there. But we've seen more and more the TV app kind of take over the experience. And yep. all of your, most of your content providers can plug into that. <laughs> Netflix. <coughs> but. Well, like for, they all can. Yes. they. Some of them choose right? not to.
0: And I think it's for perfectly fair reasons. That net, Like Netflix want what they want. Like no, I think Apple and Netflix need to like come together and just work this out. And yep. I think I'll Apple need to give Netflix a little bit more of what they want. Netflix need to give Apple a little bit more of what they want. Mm-hmm. This is like what Apple and Amazon did. And that's how Amazon got added to the TV app. They settled a bunch of business and this is one of the things that came out of it. But
1: we've seen that TV app sort of take over everything. Of course, now it's also an iOS and the Mac and everything else and... I think where they are now software wise is actually pretty good. Like, yeah, I'd love to see Netflix and others in that system, but I feel like overall we're in a better place with the Apple TV than we've ever been software wise. Um, but I think there are still things they could do. Like, I mean, you mentioned Netflix. I think that's the top of the list for everybody. I think you you spoke about this, I think on app stories with Federico and John, but bringing widgets to the tv app would be pretty sweet you know you you already have some of that kind of there's a control center and there's like home kit integration where you can see like if you have a camera hooked up to home it can show you a preview and if a scene changes in your home you get a little notification like they could do more i think to integrate the tv with the rest of the of the house and the rest of the sort of other stuff you have in your life the discussion about facetime other things earlier i think also related to this but i think in terms of it's a box you plug into your TV. The software is better than it's ever been. Even if it's a bit static, I think they've sort of leveled off. And I don't mm-hmm. really foresee any like big, massive changes again unless the industry changes out from underneath them. I feel like they've kind of finally settled on this is what this thing is and it works well enough for most people.
0: Yeah, there are a little bits and bobs like that I wish they would do, but I agree with you by and large, they've kind of hit the
1: sweet spot. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 407. If you would like to have a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week, there's some buttons there on that page at the top. You can join and get Connected Pro. We have monthly and annual plans. uh, And all Relay FM memberships come with a bunch of goodies, annual specials from across all of our shows, access to our members-only Discord some cool newsletter stuff and a bunch more. So go check that out. If you have feedback or follow up, there's an email link on that page as well, or you can find us all on Twitter. Uh, Mike is there as i m y k e, and Mike is the host of a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. Our friend Federico is not with us today. But you can find him on Twitter at vitici V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and right over at 512pixels.net. And I'd love for you to go check out my Kickstarter. There's a link in the show notes. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for making the show possible. Squarespace, Trade, and Capital One. Until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.